Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This month, my friend and colleague Martin Lewenberger joins me for part two of our mini-series on performance and potential coaching. In Season 2, Episode 7, I first interviewed Marty where we covered his remarkable journey from development management into performance coaching, as well as the coaching that I'd be undergoing with Marty's guidance. Today, we delve deeper into the coaching sessions I've experienced so far, exploring the data we've collected and my reflections on the invaluable benefits of being coached. You'll get a glimpse of how fundamental aspects like boundaries and self-talk profoundly impact our performance, resilience and overall potential. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Marty, back to the podcast. It's so great to have you with me again. Thanks, Harry. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today, we are recording part two of our mini-series. But before we get started, I thought we should briefly recap for the benefit of our listener what we set out to do as part of our collaboration on this podcast. So this is a mini-series that's centered on the themes of performance and potential coaching. In our first recording, which was episode seven, season two, we discussed your career journey from property development into a career in performance and potential coaching. In that episode, we talked about some of your struggles and how coaching and being coached has helped you remain in control of your life and ensure that you become and live the best version of yourself. You then very generously offered to coach me personally so that I can experience the benefits of the coaching that you specialize in and to share how it may benefit others. Between then and now, uh, we've started on our journey and this episode focuses on how we started our sessions what data we collected, what sessions we've currently explored, and some of my reflections since that time. To make a start, we can throw the mic to each other and just reflect on where we've been in the last, say, six to nine months since we recorded our first episode, just to highlight where we are in the world, what's been happening in our lives, what events have come up, developments in our respective careers, and just to be able to paint a picture of where coaching can come into these sorts of life situations. I might pass that to yourself yeah, first. Yeah, sure. Time flies by, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> a lot has happened in those nine months. We are expecting our second child in uh, in July. So Congratulations. That's nine months. <laughs> We're pretty excited by that. And that sort of also triggered for us to move back to Adelaide where I was born. And, and I've been in Sydney now, or was in Sydney now for 17, 18 years. We've spoken about that, obviously. Having the, the second child, there was the decision to always move back to Adelaide. And, and yeah, so we now live on eight acres in the Adelaide Hills near McLaren Vale. Yeah, the morning starts off with sunrise and taking my two-year-old son to go up, go outside and open the, the chickens and collect the eggs. It's very different to uh, the urban lifestyle I had here. Learning to decompress and learning to slow down. Coaching has, the business has grown immensely, which is great and been fortunate enough to have a few inquiries through this podcast as well. So that's yeah. that's been really good. Uh, within the last month, month, I have become a co-founder of Outbound, which is an e-mobility service where we're putting Teslas within developments to satisfy DA conditions, mainly new developments at this stage, but it offers a new and exciting amenity for residential, built-to-rent, commercial, and we're just about to 
launch our new site at Salesforce, 180 George Street in Circular Quay. So, Incredible. Yeah, we've got three Teslas in there, which allows the tenants of that building to use a unbranded Tesla as they will for an hour, take it for a weekend, take it for a week, almost like their own private vehicle. So that's been exciting. And then more recently, an old colleague of mine from Mervac reached out to help him with a design competition in Saudi Arabia for a new development there. The size of it is 14 square kilometers. That's probably circular key down to Redfern across to Darlinghurst. And so it's quite sizable. It's an incredible amount of space, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. But, so that's that's an international design competition and uh, he got me involved because I've run a couple here in Sydney, um, not to that scale. So we've got an architect in Brisbane, which is great, LA, New York, and two in London. The last couple of months has been a lot of travel. So, so you've got a lot going on. You've moved interstate. You're managing a design competition, which is property development related. Coaching is taken off, plus co-founding another company. So, mm. Well, I mean, I have to rely on all my tools that I'm coaching with, but I probably haven't been this busy or had to wear that many hats ever in my life. So uh, I guess I've had to use and rely on my own tools that I teach through coaching and that I'm still being coached. I'd love to touch on that um, hopefully today just to understand the benefits of the tools that you have at your disposal through coaching to actually manage that kind of workload. Your turn. Uh, my turn. Okay. It has been an incredibly busy six to nine months, almost bordering on a year. Two parts of the, my business have really taken off. So client-side project management has really grown. We've, we've sort of managed uh, quite a number of medium-density multi-res projects around the 15 to 20 mil mark. And also, funny enough, the design management part of our business has, has really taken off. We've been fortunate to partner up with a, a one particular builder who's who thought that we would be a great fit to help with their business and the size of the projects. And there's two jobs which are upwards of 100 mil now, which we're starting to manage. So I think from my point of view, it's the validation that what I set out to do when I left architecture and to get into these kinds of roles and to manage these kinds of projects is actually starting to bear fruit. So there's the business side of things, which is quite good. Like yourself, you know, a young family and trying to juggle making time for them. So being a good husband, good father is also part of the equation. And then there's also just trying to manage myself, trying to become more consistent in managing my physical and mental well-being. So again, coaching is playing a part in that and also just trying to be a bit more consistent with getting out and doing things that I need to do for myself, like cycling and, and running and that kind of stuff. So a lot of that fell by the wayside. In the formative years of my business, it was just too hectic, too busy. I probably didn't have the right skill sets to sort of say, okay, I can actually manage this. So I need to look after myself and my family. It was all kind of work, 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 work. So now I'm finally getting to the point where I can actually integrate life, not sort of segmenting it, but just trying to interweave it. And I think part of what we've discussed has really started to help me being a bit more conscious about what I'm doing and to start to have an understanding about how to change things when they're not quite working. It's That's been a fantastic. busy year. Yeah. Fantastic. Company-wise, we're also rebranding. That's a really interesting development. We're sort of starting to invest in the business to present more professionally and to, for it to represent what we actually do. That'll come about in the second half of the year. We've also sort of crystallized our brand pillars just so that we're able to accurately demonstrate why people choose to work with us. 
worth the risk that you took five years ago? I think so. But it's, yeah, it is five years. It's yeah. five years of grinding. I'd say struggling. Yeah. But it's starting to bear fruit. Not to be cocky about it, but yeah. it does actually feel quite nice at the moment. Yeah. You should be really proud of that. It's not cocky at all. There's a lot of energy and time that goes into that. And especially starting your own business, as mm. I know, it can be quite lonely as well. You know, you're not walking into an office where you've got an IT team at your, you know, beckoning call. You don't have to worry about invoices and things like that. You just send it off to this level that has accounts receivable and they yep. pay it. You know, there's all these little things that we take for granted that you have to get up to speed and learn. And that takes a lot of energy and focus. Should we start to touch on some of the aspects of coaching that we've covered in the past since yeah. we first recorded? I'm keen to hear your perspective on coaching because I remember it's something that you said early days that it wasn't something that you even really gave much weight to. So I'm keen to hear you touch on that before we dive into what we've done and, and the tools that we used and hear what your journey has been and your perspective now. Well, I probably didn't give it much weight, probably because there was a level of mistrust at an outset and possibly quite naively, a bit of a mistrust around what coaching could do for me. It felt like quite a nebulous investment. I had a couple of bad experiences with, not necessarily bad experiences, but just near misses with coaching when it came to things like property investing. And, you know, it always seems like it's other people that are benefiting from it and never yourself. And so I just had this, felt like I had my guard up with things like coaching in general. So anything coaching related, I was like, mm, yeah, why is this person approaching me? Uh, am I going to reap the benefits? It feels like it's always going to be my responsibility anyway. I felt like it most likely wouldn't succeed. And so I had this, like I said, possibly a, a quite a naive understanding of what coaching could actually do for me. Also, didn't think I was ever in a position where I could, I was good enough to be coached as in like, I, I don't know why I, I would need it. You know, yeah. I'm not at operating at those levels. It was kind of like, okay, well, it's probably not an investment that I need to be making or a cost that I need to be incurring. A little bit naive in that regard. But as I was starting to become a bit more aware of what you were specializing in and some of those benefits, I thought, actually, you know, when you look around at all the successful people that you admire, they all get coached. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's because they operate at high levels. They want to take the step up. They want to actually maintain. Why aren't I considering this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm actually quite grateful for yourself in, because you actually gave me that opportunity without me even, without me asking for it or without even considering that that might be a possibility. It's always a risk to be vulnerable. And from my perspective, it is a risk to go to someone and say, how do you want coaching yeah. when they don't have the conviction that they realize they need it? So some of the clients that I get paired with, the client asked me to work with a particular individual and they'll have their barrier up and guard up from day one because they sort of see it as a negative thing as in why do I need coaching and what does that mean that's right it's a waste of my time and their time and the resources that are allocated yeah. to it we can't get anywhere there's no trust there's no safety people that do get coaching I feel like they a part of their success is that they actually have a space that's been created for them to be vulnerable, which is based on trust and safety, for them to explore things or understand more about themselves that's out of the public eye for them to be able to perform better. I think my eyes were really opened. So I came into it with an open mind when, mm -hmm. when you yeah, made that offer because I thought yeah. this is just, you cannot pass this kind of opportunity up to have a look at this. And But I think the my eyes were well and truly opened up when we started collecting the data because another... I guess apprehension that I have uh, that I had was just that I didn't understand what I needed improvement with and I had no idea about where to look for my the deficiencies in in myself if that's a way to sort of phrase it yeah uh, but once we started collecting the data I understood oh, okay I can actually see myself mm. in words and numbers mm. and that 
all of a sudden became really, really powerful. It's almost like, you know, a journal that pops up in your face. As yeah. soon as it's down on the page, you can reflect on it and you're like, ah. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, it's the tool that you're referring to mainly is the EMP Correct. Executive Mindset Profile. That tool is absolutely amazing because it doesn't focus on personality. And yeah. a lot of tools out there focus on personality, you know, what type you are, what color you are, mm. et cetera, which are absolutely fantastic tools, especially when you're, especially in a team environment or when you're trying to understand your own style of leadership, what your strengths and weaknesses are and on how to be communicated with and how to communicate to. It's very beneficial from that perspective, but you also, it's also quite general. Whereas the EMP is quite personal, it's 120 questions that you've done and it sort of breaks down or gives you a score one out of 100 Zero to 60 being an area of focus, 60 to 80 being not bad, but then 80 to 100 being high performance. Mm. It gives us a spotlight on where to focus and where some deficiencies are. And I think the thing to remember is that, I mean, there's always a debate around this, but I fundamentally believe that your personality largely is fixed. So that's kind of who you are. That's how you operate in your system. However, the EMP is about your mental skills and your soft skills which can be, which are malleable. So you can shift those and they often are interlinked and intertwined. So one shifts another, but also under stress, we actually get to see where you, you don't perform or, or what starts to lag. And because then what we'll do in the future is we'll benchmark this. You can actually start to see what areas have shifted through coaching, what areas are stubborn and what areas may be going backwards. And it's all situational. So it's not, this is who you are. It's actually, this is who you are at this point. At this point. These, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses and let's work on it. It really helps us shine a light as to where to focus rather than us have a conversation. And, you know, it's one of those things, if you have your barrier up or your, the, the trust and the safety is not established yet in a coaching relationship, you'll likely be wearing masks that, you know, yes, I can read body language and understand language, but I won't be able to have a really good understanding on where deficiencies are or, or where we should focus mm. it's almost a bit of a cheat sheet i think that's what you need again i think once you have data to be able to benchmark your progress i think then uh, that's where i felt like coaching really was quite grounded in genuine results mm. which is why you do it you mm. do it to get better to change yeah. or to sort of smooth out where you're not performing at your optimum so yeah. that developed a huge amount of trust and also I think giving yourself a bit of license to be quite vulnerable as well. Mm. I, I love the fact that I didn't actually have to wear any masks. It was mm. like, okay, I'm in this to, to improve. So there's just this liberation of being able to say, okay, these are just the problems that I have. These are some of the thoughts that I have. However, they might be a little bit sort of somber or dark or whatever, but you can actually talk about them and then unpack how they sort of appear on the on the page as well so that's exactly right yeah. and i think one of the categories of the seven categories through the profile is resilience mm. and everyone talks about resilient and be more resilient uh, and there's courses on resilience yeah. and there's so much around resilience but this profile actually breaks down the resilience into four areas which yeah. we won't go into but one of them two for example one is around boundaries and yeah. one's about around your ability to reset you might be a have this amazing skill to reset from a setback mm. that makes you resilient, but if you have low boundaries, you're not resilient in that area. So it actually breaks it down to actually help you categorically be more resilient in different areas mm. rather than just this whole, are you resilient, yes or no? That was a huge uh, eye-opener, I think, doing the EMP because I've always considered myself quite resilient and gritty mm. in that I 
a bit of a dog with a bone. Yeah. I don't like to drop the ball or, or fail at anything. Mm. But when I saw the breakdown, I was like, oh, actually, there's so much more to what resilience means. Mm. And there were some pretty profound differences mm. within that subcategory, within yeah. that category, which I thought, okay, this actually makes sense as to why yeah. I feel certain ways, despite the fact that I'll do whatever it takes to get the job done and do what I need to, but it comes at a cost in other ways. And look, again, we might be skipping ahead here, but you know, you've got the EMP, one data point, then you've got the 360 feedback. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but that's where we send out a list of questions to four to five individuals in your personal and professional life. What we can see there with the 360 is common themes that actually link and support the EMP. However, Sometimes you can also see where it doesn't relate to the EMP and we can actually dive into that to see where you may have overscored yourself, which is a blind spot. So it's a blind spot to you, but this is what others are seeing. So it's really powerful, the double-edged sword there where it, it supports it, but can also challenge the EMP. And then we've got the cortisol test, which is a four saliva swaps throughout the day, which helps us understand from a visual, visual perspective, how much stress you've got in your body and how cortisol is being produced or not being produced in your body and that also again supports your energy levels if your cortisol is not shooting up in the morning how do you expect to be able to have sustained energy throughout the day and make good decisions decisions and then we've got your aura ring which is good to see that you're, you're still wearing, wearing. Wear it I religiously actually, <laughs> I actually left mine in my golf bag uh, i took it i take it off to play golf not that it helps me it's one of those sort of things that we start to see data around sleep how long it takes you to fall asleep your hrv all these sorts of things that we'll probably get into more detail in the, the next podcast but you can say that you've got you had eight hours of sleep last night but then you can also see how many times you woke up within your sleep that you're not aware of and it probably relates to you only actually had six hours of quality sleep so there's lots of things there that relate back to the EMP because the EMP talks about your quality energy and how do you have good focus if you're not sleeping well. They all are really nicely intertwined. Those four key pieces of data, I think, provide a really holistic view of yourself as a person physically, mentally, and in various walks of life. So, mm. I mean, I'm a, a sucker for data, So, but I find a lot of comfort in understanding if there's improvement, if there's, if there's deficiencies, and, and to be able to sort of track over time because being a busy person, you, it's very difficult to remember one day to the next. You're definitely not able to understand whether you're making progress if you can't see that mm. item, those items on a sheet. From my, my perspective, I appreciate that you've been vulnerable and that you've jumped in with this with both feet that's an easy client because you're leaning in you're applying it i've seen changes in you that i you know every time we catch up even if it's just for a check-in i see massive changes in you that i feel like are helping your private and professional world absolutely it was pretty much instant i reckon there were moments in the first session that we had which were were quite profound like a little bit confronting but in a good way it also really helped from the get-go to sort of smooth out some things that were really bothering me like you said those check-ins provided some real world context to some of the issues that i was having so i think having like structured sessions plus the check-ins was a really great way of sort of learning more but then also being able to reflect on real world issues and and to sort of talk about them with context so what i thought we should do is unpack some of the data that we we collected from the four pieces of information and just maybe talk briefly about some of the results that came out of it i think it might be best to understand 
how you responded to the data. So just to give everyone a little bit of background, I think it was around October, November last year, which was quite a stressful time for you from memory. There was a lot going on. We did the EMP, which was a 120 question survey. And then that came back with a report. Then to support that, you started wearing the aura ring and then you did the, the uh, four swab cortisol test, which took about two weeks to turn around. And then we also did 360 feedback. So by the time we sort of wrapped all of that up, it was probably about four weeks. And then we decided to get together early January. From an observational point of view, the data that I saw, I wasn't surprised. I could see that, there were, that you were carrying a lot you know, having worked with you and having, and also seeing the quality of your work. I knew that you take a lot of pride in your work. You take a lot of ownership of your work. And that was coming through on the EMP because there was quite a bit of stress that you were also carrying. But I do remember doing the debrief with you and you were quite surprised by some of the data. Well, I thought the data that was surprising was the EMP. I think if I was to rank it in terms of profoundness of the information it was it was definitely the EMP and uh, we, we touched on it previously the uh, the area around resilience was was one of them which to my surprise was broken up into several sub segments which also showed some areas which I needed some decent amount of improvement you didn't need a decent amount of improvement you have a really high expectation of yourself but you are doing really really well even the language and I, I guess that's what i pull you up on decent amount of work from what i've seen seen working with you what you've produced your level of work is top notch we'll get into self-talk that was one of the sessions we did but it's about capturing those words mm-hmm. because it's actually your self-talk that is coming out with resilience probably about 63 percent of my clients have sort of a lower score on boundaries and we've got to remember that that doesn't define who you are That's just currently, and that might be something that's been there for a long time, but that's something that we can shift. So by putting that language over the top of decent amount of work, you're also, you're pulling yourself down, if that makes sense. Yes. Do you see that? Yep. And that's, I guess, where some of the practice is coming into the other session, which is self-talk. I appreciate the pull-up as well, because that's exactly the benefit of coaching. It's like someone with the nuanced understanding of somebody else's character and personality is really beneficial to have that as a you know mm. someone on your team who's, mm. who's helping you in that regard that's so. right and that all comes through trust and you feeling safe and you allowing me to get to know you so heading back to the emp that was the biggest surprise quite confronting actually it took me a little bit of time to process it well when i initially saw it i went oh okay this answers a lot of questions about myself yeah which was really awesome but then i started looking at it again and got a little bit upset about yeah, it because yeah, i thought yeah, yeah. oh my god i actually have You're not the only person <laughs> i have a lot of work to do here <laughs> But again, it, it provided a benchmark, and mm. which was which was great. And, and like you said, I think sometimes you also need to hear that you're doing you're doing okay as well, mm. and you're doing well, which is where things like self talk come into it and starting to improve. Uh, like you mentioned before, you know, put those thoughts to the side and, and also on trial and say, okay, have the ability to say, pick up on the fact that you're talking about these things and be able to assess them properly. When we do the benchmark, you'll see this. So using myself, for example, the first time I did the EMP, I think my self-determination, which is all about, you know, you know your why, you know, it's a sort of inner confidence of what you're doing. I think I was up at around 85%, which is sort of the, the high performance marker. And then going through some of the challenges that I spoke about in the last podcast, that self-determination completely dropped back to 35 so there was a shift of 50% there where I 
lost confidence, wasn't sure what I was doing, really didn't know my why, struggled to get out of bed. But being able to have this EMP and track, that's now back up at a, an all-time high, which is great, but it can just demonstrate how things can shift. It's based on your environment, it's based on situations, but when you have the tools, then you can actually combat that and be aware and and hold things at high level i think it's also quite comforting isn't it the mm. fact that okay okay well this, this point in time i understand my situation at that point mm. but i can also move it but it's it, not permanent it's common feedback that i get when i take someone through their emp that they almost are shocked but then at the same time there's this relief that there's a visual presentation of how they feel on the inside what their internal world is like because on our external we're always putting on masks we're always carrying a lot because we think that everyone else is doing just fine and we've just got to project out to the world that we're just fine as well. Mm. But there's there's always challenges. So I do get that response quite a bit. It's an extremely beneficial tool yeah. to have. I think the other one which has helped is the 360 feedback was, was great just to understand how people perceive me as well. And in many ways, it's great to see you see yourself in quite a good light as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But you can also see, uh, appreciate the honesty that people have towards you. So I think that to me was was really great to see because it shows that the people that I chose were the right people in different parts of my life. Yeah. And I appreciated that honesty. So it means that they're true people that you want in your circle, which yeah. is which was quite great. And the feedback was very honest and, I, and that's really important to choose the right people, not choosing people that are just going to say nice things. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose and... You know, we don't get a lot out of that. That's right. That feedback will highlight blind spots. That feedback will also have and should have common threads all the way through. And then cortisol was was great just to understand how, I guess, my stress at that point in time. So if we can probably share how what my profile looked like. The ideal profile is one where it rises towards the middle of the day and then starts yeah. to taper off in like an S-curve. Yeah, that's right. Whereas my one actually started with a very small curve at the very early parts of the day but then just it was in the ideal range not the ideal profile it just declined pretty much from the day de- from the moment that i woke up yeah. at the moment i'm not sure how to balance that out obviously it has a bit to do with stress so it, it does it's also how your body is coping and it there's a conversation that needs to happen around that because we need to understand are you dealing with stress or are you overcoming stress or is coming out of stress if that makes sense because that again is at a point of time and it can only capture a snapshot there. With your curve, for example, you're right, cortisol should be starting to build about an hour before you wake up in the morning, and it should basically shoot up, and it's it's essentially, I guess, like charging your batteries through sleep, and you know it should be at at a certain level, and then it should start to decline throughout the day to the point where it then starts, you know, your body produces melatonin, getting you ready to sleep. You know, we can also artificially impact cortisol by having 17 coffees in a day it varies and it it really should be something that we just use as a snapshot and a visual to understand someone's level of stress and how the body is producing cortisol so it is just a snapshot but when we do a benchmark we can have a look at the difference see the shift yeah and the final thing has been the ordering which Mm. for me has been been fantastic it's a great way to understand the way my body recovers from a heavy day at work or heavy training loads or you know being able to get out and do some cycling quality of sleep which has been which has been amazing but it also highlights the fact that life is actually really up and down mm. and routine is actually very very difficult to do consistently mm. so i have lots of peaks and troughs sort of smooth journey throughout yeah. the week 
and I've come to accept that that's life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've actually become quite okay with seeing ups and downs. Yeah. Um, okay with seeing my quality drop, but also increase. The point that I want to try and make is the fact that I have a tool that allows me to see how that looks throughout the week. So I'm able to to see my average amount of sleep and say, okay, this is actually getting a bit, this is actually getting a bit silly now. So take something out of my week to put sleep back in and not to deprive myself of sleep for, for too long. Yeah. So recognize how hard you can go for how long. And exactly. exactly. Back. It's interesting about sleep because if you don't sleep, if you only sort of have an average of four to five hours of sleep for a whole week, it's the equivalent of being over, over the limit. And so you actually have people turning up to work who haven't been at the pub, they just haven't been sleeping. Yeah. And they're actually people making decisions. And so you can see why people have decision fatigue. To give you an idea, so that we'll, again, we'll go into the Aura Ring in the next podcast a little bit more and use it as a bit of a benchmark. But the data that comes from that within regards to your sleep, your latency, which is about how long it takes you to fall asleep and all these other data points, give you an overrating score of a readiness score. And uh, that readiness score basically suggests how ready you are to take on the day. Mm. It's a score that, that helps us just manage ourselves throughout the day. If we've got a low readiness score, if you can put aside the hard tasks, start to think about how we use this technology and this data. Again, it's an investment, right? It's not a cheap piece of technology. I've, I've noticed the benefits, absolutely. So. Yeah, great. Let's start talking about our first coaching session yeah. that you took me through. So our first session was the debrief of all the data and talking about where we want to get to, what we want to focus on. We agreed that our second session would be around boundaries. And that's that falls into the resilience category. Boundaries is one of those things, it's, it's quite tricky, but you know, it's one of those things, if you can clearly frame your no, you're going to be able to frame your yeses. If you can't say no, you're going to basically be owned all the time your needs are your needs aren't going to be met, and the things that you want to say yes to are just not not going to exist. So we we worked on on boundaries, and it's it's one of those things with that people with real boundaries are the ones that people don't lean on. So if you don't have boundaries, you tend you tend to either be a people pleaser, or you tend to be the person that people go to because they're like, oh, I can give that to Harry. Harry can do that. Harry can do that. Harry. They're not actually thinking twice about is this something that Harry can do. Is this something I should be giving to Harry? Boundaries for us, it's our responsibility to set. It's not the responsibility of others to set or guess what our boundaries are. We have to put them in place for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. We did a couple of simulations. Yep. It's <laughs> a bit of there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of new stuff in in-person workshops, which was I know you sort of struggled a little bit with the, the simulations, but yeah. I think the message came across. What did what did you get out of it? There was some discomfort. There was one thing you said which made it make sense and made it actually feel quite comfortable in the end. And that was when we were doing the hand, the hand maneuvering. And you said, okay, so now you're starting to provide a bit of resistance and this is doing life. And that to me really started to solidify why it was so important. Yeah. As in like, it's actually okay to, to not be a people pleaser all mm. the time and to not give yourself to absolutely everything that comes across because you feel like people actually depending on you for that sometimes it's actually not the case that was kind of a bit of a, a light bulb moment yeah. in, in that session you've got the two bookends you've got the people pleaser that just has no boundaries whatsoever 
the the risk there is that they then have the expectation that the others have no boundaries so when they go to others to ask for something and they get a no that can be quite confronting for them but then you've also got the other end of the spectrum which is the people that put barriers up not boundaries but barriers to the outside world they're actually quite unsafe because there's no trust there the it's almost like you've got the people pleaser that has a literally an open field to the person who has a moat around them pulled up the drawboard and has their you know army ready to attack it's hard to work with both sides and what, what we want to do with boundaries is put boundaries in place but also realize that boundaries are actually should be flexible life is not predictable and we need to be able to communicate our boundaries but also understand someone else's boundaries but then also be able to have internally the ability to respond and set our boundaries so it's a it's something that should be fluid rather than zero boundaries or a door someone should actually be able to come to you and, and knock on your door and say hey harry this is what i need from you but you should also have the ability to be able to respond yes rather than just go oh yeah i'll carry that i'll carry that i'll carry that yeah. That was actually something that I wanted to add to that is having the tools to be able to respond and to understand, okay, I hear what you're saying, but, and it's the but that comes after it, which how essential is this? Can I have a couple more days? Do you need this right now? This is my schedule at this point in time. I can help you, but it's not right now. Those little instances that you Mm. were sort of passing to Mm. me, I thought, oh, wow. This is what I wasn't doing previously. Mm. I wasn't actually challenging requests that were coming to me. I was just taking them as though they needed to be done at this point in time yeah and therefore and therefore priorities just there were no priorities because yeah. they were all priorities and that's just where stress comes into it and you're like oh god I've got to do this, got to do this. if you're able to sort of go hey look i hear that you need this i recognize that it's really important and urgent for you i've also got this this and this to do if i can drop this or put this to on ice then yeah i'm happy to take that on rather than the people please are going yeah i can do that and then all of a sudden they're left with no quality conversation around what they're carrying and holding now and is likely to disappoint someone else and have this inner tension of turmoil and resentment that builds over time. After each of our sessions, we sort of left you with a couple of questions or homework. And and I thought I would, in this session, pose a couple of questions, which I think are important around boundaries. And so one of the questions is, what work have you taken on or what have you taken on that you shouldn't have? This is actually probably more for the listeners to be able to just walk away and have something to think about. If if your listeners wanted to have a question for themselves to reflect on their own boundaries, it would be, what have you recently taken on that you shouldn't have? And then once you sort of think about that, it's starting to dive into that a little bit and go, "Well, well, why did I take that on? Who was the person or what was the situation? As soon as you start to sort of scratch the surface a little bit there, you can actually start to understand why you did that and become more conscious of that and bring that to the forefront, which will allow you to either give that back or in the future not take something on that's not your responsibility. And I, th- I think that's where my that's where some of uh, my development has started to come around boundaries. Mm. It's I still make these decisions, which in hindsight might appear as mistakes in that, but I'm also at that point in time going, okay, I've committed to this, so I will do it, but try to improve on that next time, as in don't make yourself be working at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, Yeah. We talked about it, you're missing out on things. There's always an opportunity cost. There's always a sacrifice. It might be a short-term sacrifice, which is fine, but if it's something that becomes a habit, that becomes something that's bigger than it was originally, 
from a sacrifice point of view. And probably the other question I would put out there, uh, which I shared with you was, when did you last time say yes, when you should have actually said no? Who was that to? Because there are people that we tend to have weaker boundaries with than others. It might be in the private life, it might be a manager or in you and I being small business owners, it's one of those things when, how do we say no to a potential client? But if you actually push back or have a boundary in place that allows you to communicate your needs as well, it's actually it's probably more likely that you're going to have a more sustainable and respectful uh, relationship. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic points. Let's start talking about our third session, which is revolved around self-talk. Another fantastic and eye-opening session for me. So before we jump into that, first session was debrief, but we also had a number of checkpoints in between. And, and what I like to do with my clients is either just catch up on the phone or a Zoom or a, or a coffee in between sessions mm-hmm. because things come up all the time. The last thing that I want is that we have a month between a session, come to the next session. Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. and I didn't know what to do. And I guess the relationship I want to establish with my clients is that I'm a, I'm a safe space, a space where, you know, can be used as a sounding board because often after a session, there's a lot to process. There's a lot that comes up and there's a lot to navigate. You know, we, we had a couple of those sessions in between each of our sessions. Did that? Did you find those helpful for you? Or? I definitely found those yeah. those helpful in in different ways to the to the more structured sessions. Uh, mm. I think the reason why I found those helpful was because often there were things that were coming up between you know in those few weeks, which I had something to discuss with you. So it's a situation where something happened, which. I felt like I got let down by somebody else and I felt really, I felt actually quite angry about it because I thought, okay, we, we made a deal. My expectation is that this gets this gets fulfilled because that's what I would do. And you sort of took that on board, but also sent it back to me and thought, have you thought about the fact that maybe you're imposing your, your expectations on, on other people and they're just telling you what's working for them? You know, so those kinds of check-ins were really really quite beneficial in that regard to, mm. to be able to reflect on real life situations rather than uh, sessions where we're learning about a particular concept and mm. trying to sort of uh, relate that back to some of my original data. The purpose for the check-ins is just to obviously see how you go, yeah. but also just to make sure that the homework is applicable and that we can actually start seeing change in certain areas. I'm glad to hear that. I always come out of those feeling a little more relaxed and being able to actually offload to somebody who understood how to how to respond to yeah. to those particular situations yeah. and i think that's the benefit of a coach in that regard yeah so in the, in the third session we talked about self-talk which falls under the category of self-concept and that's really about the internal dialogue it's about um, how you perceive yourself in the world to how the rest of the world perceive you and it sort of goes back to our earlier point where you sort of said i had a lot of work to do on this and that was your internal dialogue compared to my experience of harry So, you know, self-talk is one that I work with a lot of clients. And for me personally, it's something that I've struggled with. It's something that when we talked about the benchmarking of the EMP, it's something that's always sat around 70 for me, fluctuating between sort of 65 and 75. So it is something that's challenging to shift, but it is definitely worth the investment because, you know, our our brains are like a a supercomputer and the self-talk is essentially the software that's running it. I think that's the easiest way to understand it. So in order to upgrade the computer, we need to upgrade our self-talk. The capacity and and the performance of the computer is run by the the software. So if we're upgrading our self-talk, we're going to upgrade the capabilities and and the capacity of of that supercomputer. So yeah, that's what what we, we worked on, which was really trying to capture 
the dialogue that's going in internally. The most important thing is, is that we try and capture that, understand situations that trigger that self-talk. And then what we need to really do is, is, is work with that, try and understand where it's come from, try and sort of see why we think that's true and actually put a reality on that. Keen to hear your thoughts on, on how that session went for you. Self-talk was, a, a, mm. it was a, actually a challenging session. It required a lot of reflection, trying to bring out what some of those thoughts, recurring limiting beliefs. Yeah, that's like, right. Like you've mentioned quite a bit. So I still feel like I'm very much in the early phases of trying to identify when these instances occur and then to to write them down so that they appear on the page and then you actually start to assess them. You, you need to see them to be able to, to reflect on them. And like you mentioned, like it comes out inadvertently. You have to be kind to yeah. yourself. You know, this is something that has been hardwired for a long time. And until you actually peel back the layers, you start to understand the origins of that self-talk and then you can deal with it. It goes deep and it is something that takes a long time. It's not you just flick the switch and go, oh, okay, I'm gonna change the narrative. And I think we need to be conscious that our mind is always eavesdropping on our self-talk. We've gotta remember that we're not trying to eliminate the negative, automatic negative thoughts. They are there to protect us. There's a history there, there's a, there's a knowledge there that we need to sort of lean on to go, okay, I've been in this situation before. And it's almost sort of having it as an opinion and going, all right, that's what you're saying, I hear you, but not allowing it to be the driver of how we behave and how we act, but actually sort of just using it as a, as a sounding board. So we don't want to eliminate it because it's there to protect us. So I thought the, the way that we were tackling that in the session was achievable to, to understand. And we did that by trying to personify uh, that self-talk. We decided on Homer for me. Uh, nice and, Homer Simpson. And, and I like that because there's a character behind it. And there's also someone who, you know, you feel like you can actually control, which I thought was, was quite powerful yep. in that regard. As yep. in like, yes, I'm me. I have my self-talk, but we can start to sort of, you know, start to interact with that and understand, okay, that's what I'm saying. Is that true? Is that not true? But exactly. I think those skills take a lot of work to be consciously aware of them and to, like you said, put them on trial. And you sort of have Homer Simpson sitting there saying these things. Gives you a chance to take it not as seriously. There you are, Homer. You know, yeah. that's what you're saying. I get it. But not allowing it to be everything mm. and the only voice that you are making decisions based on. Uh, I guess to try and put some real context on why that's so important is some of the issues that I often have is you know, due to the fact that I take a lot of responsibility, particularly at work, when something doesn't go quite right, my self-talk kicks in and says, why didn't you catch that? I'm leading these teams. That's right. A mistake's been made. Why didn't I see it? And so I guess that just comes from a position where I feel like if I'm leading these teams, I should also be catching all the balls as well. Mm -hmm. But that is a really unrealistic and yeah. dangerous place yeah. to be because you're just assuming that everything's going to be perfect and if it's not perfect then it's your fault you know that's where sometimes some of that stress comes into it and really silly stuff that comes into it like am i good enough for this role or am i right to be in this position and they're all they're all really dumb thoughts to have because it's you're there because people see the value that you add to the process yeah. and therefore you know being able to say okay where's well, that true i'm in this position for a reason there needs to be a point where we actually sort of start to build a bank of evidence yeah. to go, I've been able to achieve that. I've done that before and it worked out well, whether it's public speaking or presentations or running a meeting or wherever you need to back yourself, you need to build a bank of evidence so that you can combat that self-talk 
that little voice that you are actually putting, giving a microphone to, you're actually giving evidence against why that actually isn't true. We can take a lot of responsibility and have unrealistic expectations, but actually when you write that down and voice it, one of the, the tools we talked about is writing down your self-talk and then actually saying it out loud or giving it to your partner or a friend to have a look at how you're actually talking to yourself, that you wouldn't speak to your worst enemy like that. It's amazing. So we really need to capture it and put it on trial and counter it with, a, I guess, a coaching voice Otherwise, we're going to ruminate on those negative thoughts and that's all we're doing and we're sort of going around and around and around rather than reflecting. Because if we reflect, we can make a sort of an observation on it and we can make change. If we're ruminating, we're just going to go over the same thing and it becomes more hardwired. So I found the the best way to, to, to be dealing with this is to actually to reconnect with journaling. It doesn't take too much time. Try and do a couple of minutes. Journaling is very, very powerful because it actually gets it out of your head and onto the paper. It's almost something that it's, it's an action that you've actually taken a step forward rather than letting it just sit there. So that's been very, very helpful. Yeah. I, I did that a few years back just to help through some some difficult times when, mm. um, you know, business was very new and it just felt like you just weren't getting any traction. So mm. that was really helpful in that regard. This one's a, a lot more focused to try and push forward and things like self-talk and to try and reassess it. I mean, it's one of those things that journaling also gives a record and that's where you sort of go back and go, you know, I've actually overcome that. I think going back over these two sessions has been fantastic to share the development and the, and the journey to date. What I thought would be good and to wrap up is just to understand what's coming up in yeah. the following sessions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you again for the opportunity to take you through some of this coaching. I guess I'd also want to say it's brave of you to do that. You know, it's brave to go on this journey be vulnerable and actually change and implement change and grow. But I think you're seeing the fruits of that, which is great. Our, our next session will be, we're just gonna do two more sessions. We're gonna look at emotional regulation, which is another element of resilience. And then we're also gonna look at focus and energy as well, which will link back more to cortisol and aura ring. So we'll, we'll do those two sessions and then we'll loop back and do a, a, a part three, I guess. And in that part three, we'll talk about that. We'll have a benchmark to talk through and do a benchmarking and talk through the benchmarking differences of where we've shifted, maybe what's stubborn, what may have gone backwards. You never know. For example, boundaries, it's, it's one of the sort of cornerstones of the EMP. And, and by what I've seen and heard, that's shifted quite a lot. So I'm actually expecting that sort of drags other things as well. If you've got better boundaries in place, you've actually taken control of your time, meaning that you have better energy and better focus. So we'll, we'll go through that. And then I'll also touch upon another certification that I've done over the last couple of months or last year, which was uh, the Hinster course that I completed. That's probably a more holistic view on coaching around the body and nutrition and things like that. Hinster is a, a Finnish group, performance group. They're well known for the last 20 years being involved in the Formula One space where they've, from a performance perspective, worked closely with all the Formula One drivers, whether it's sort of the mental side, the psychological side, nutrition and sleep, and then also the, the body side of things as well. So we'll dive into that a little bit. Oh, Mario, I'm, I'm looking forward to those sessions and I'm looking forward to part three just to see, um, I guess, some of the fruits of, of our labor and just to see how things have shifted. So thank you again. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the next recording. Awesome. Thanks, Harry. This is the end of the episode. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this enlightening journey into the world of coaching under Marty's expert guidance. For myself, the key takeaways from our recording are, number one, the importance of sleep. 
Quality sleep is a linchpin for effective decision making and readiness to conquer the day. This is something I've really been working on to improve and the benefits have been significant. Number two, setting healthy boundaries. Establishing clear boundaries is the cornerstone of preventing overcommitment and avoiding burnout. Number three, self-talk and self-concept. Recognizing and challenging negative self-talk is vital for personal growth and resilience. Number four, journaling for self-reflection. Keeping a journal serves as a powerful tool to capture and assess self-talk and limiting beliefs. And finally, the power of coaching. Coaching offers a structured approach to personal development, fostering self-awareness and driving transformation. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please take a moment to rate this podcast on your favourite listening platform. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Well, that's a wrap for today. A very heartfelt thank you for tuning in and I look forward to sharing the next month's episode with you in the coming weeks. Take care and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.